You guys can go ahead and have a seat. Huh. Have you guys ever, have you ever lost something and you, you kind of feel like you start to question your whole existence in life? You, like, you start like looking for your keys and you're like, do, do I even have keys? Like, do I even have a drive? Do I even have a car? Like, you just start looking for something and, and you don't know where it's at. You don't know what happened to it. Kids, you guys ever lose like your favorite toy or, or, or the controller to the video game and you can't figure out what happened or where? My kids, you know what they always lose? Daddy, where's the charger? Does it, can anybody relate to that? Where is the charger? And I, I'm kind of a routine person. And so I like to have, you know, my structure and routine and, and I'll come in the house and I'll, I'll hang up my keys in a certain spot and I put my bag in a, in a certain place and, and, and all these kind of things. But even still, sometimes I'm convinced that Toy Story isn't that far off from reality. Because sometimes you, you put your stuff where you always put it, but then the next time you go back, it's not there. And, and, and now, though, I, I think I have two people in the house that are very good at helping things disappear. Forget, like, the superpower of flying or anything. Like, my kids have the superpower of just making stuff vanish. And uh, I remember, this is like four or five years ago, uh, my son Noah, I think he was only like two or three years old, uh, he, he was obsessed with keys at this time. And, and so I remember one time I went and I went, was going to work and I had two sets of keys. I, I had one set of keys for my car and I had one set of keys that was on my work keys in my house and all that kind of stuff. And, and I remember I was going to the office and I pull up and I get to the side door and I reach in my bag where my keys are supposed to be. And do you think my keys were there? They were not. And, and so I'm, I'm like calling Amanda and, and I'm trying to like, hey, have you seen my keys and what do you think the question is that she asked? Where did you see them last? Where did you have them last? Least helpful question in like the history of the world. Well, if I knew where I had it last, it would either be there or somebody moved it, right? So, so she asked me that and, and no help. And, and so then I start digging through my bag. I can't find it. I go and I look in my truck. I can't find it anywhere in my truck. And, and then I get home and, and I'm like tearing apart like all my jackets that I wore for the last like week and a half that's not there. And I take all the cushions off the couch. And, you know, I find like 18 spoons and 53 cents, but no keys. And, and so I'm searching and searching and searching and like a week goes by and no luck. And I'm asking Noah and he's just looking at me and he, he, he just doesn't even know how to help me because he's like, what keys? I forgot those existed like five minutes after I took them, right? And, and so I'm going about my day and then all of a sudden one day I'm, I'm walking out of the house and, and I just so happen to be walking through the garage and, and I, I look over and I, I think it's the nudge of the Holy Spirit, right? Have you ever like since God speak, this was like one of those moments where like the Holy Spirit illuminated over in the corner of our garage was a power washer. And see, the only two things that Noah really cared about in this stage of life were playing with daddy's keys and for whatever reason, the power washer. Um, just to let you know, we did not let him use the power washer. It was never on. Don't come looking for me. But, but all of a sudden, I'm just looking over and thinking, you know what? I wonder. He, he's, he's kind of obsessed with going over and pretending and so I go over to the power washer and I open up the little flap on the top and, and where you're supposed to put the soap. And you know what I find? My keys. He put my keys in the power washer. Why did you do that? He has no idea. Kids don't know why they do anything. But I remember I was, you know, sitting there looking and, and you know, there's nothing quite like the feeling of finding something that you were looking for. Can you, can you guys get it? Can I get an amen for that one? You spend all your time looking. The worst is as you get older and you start looking for something that's in your hand. <laughs> or you start looking for your glasses and they're right up on the top of your head. 
But, but you know, the reality is this, is, is I, I don't know if you're really fully conscious of this or aware of this, but everyone is looking for something. Everybody is looking for, for something. And, and, and so I, I don't know what it is. Maybe, you know, some of you, you're looking for like that next moment of joy or that, 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 that sense of happiness or the thrill of, of adrenaline. My brother Nick, he's here today. And, and he always was just seeking out like that next sense of adrenaline, like skiing off the roof and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Maybe some of you, you're looking for that, that, that next relationship that's going to make your life complete or the next dollar bill, the next raise or, or whatever it might be. Hopefully, Today, you're not still looking and searching for the perfect gift. There's going to be a whole lot of husbands at CVS after this, right? <laughs> but we are all looking for something. And I want, you to look, I want you to look at your neighbor, and I want you to give him my title for today. And go ahead and ask him this. Have you found it yet? Go ahead and ask him, have you found it yet? Because we're looking for something. All right, I, didn't, I didn't tell you to give him a whole novel or anything, all right? This is a simple question, people. This is like when you're unwrapping gifts and, and somebody's like already jumping the gun before it's their turn, right? Did anybody drive anybody else nuts? Just me? But everybody is looking for something. And, and really, as I was sitting back and trying to contemplate what it is to share with you all today, I, I had this question posed in, in my, my own spirit, and is this, what if... What if I spent my whole life searching for the wrong thing? What if I went through the whole course of, of my time here on earth searching for the wrong thing? Instead of acknowledging and beginning to dive into what is it that I actually am put here on this earth for, I'm looking for all the things that culture tells me I should be looking for. I'm looking for all the, the ways that I can get happiness or a, a moment of peace, a moment of joy, a moment of satisfaction or, or, or seeking out the relationship that, that is never going to come, that's going to make me complete because there is only one relationship that can make you complete. And I'm here to tell you and spoil the whole message right now. That is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the question for us today is this, what are we searching for? And as we look at the, the, the old familiar Christmas passages that maybe you've grown up hearing in church, we're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 2, and, and I think we're going to find some guys who are searching. And I don't think it was just because of this instance, but I think this is a posture that they had in their hearts, that they were, they were men who were curious, who were searching, who were longing and looking for something more. Why am I here and in Matthew 2, we, we read this. This is after Jesus has been born. And, and it says this in Matthew 2. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. Now, see, a lot of you, I, I hate to go ahead and burst your little Christmas bubble. Maybe you, some, you need to go home and fix some of your Christmas decorations. But, but here we have these wise men, these magi, these, these men who had traveled from afar. And, and a lot of times we see it as, you know, that, that night that Jesus was born and the shepherds are coming in and here's the wise men and they're bowing down. But can I tell you something? Just a little spoiler. Uh, the wise men probably showed up anywhere from 13 months to 24 months after Jesus was born. 
So, you know, you can go ahead and kick the wise men out. You can, you can save them for like next, next year or something, but they weren't there on that night. And you see, the, the reason is, is because these men had to come from a long ways away. And they were, they were most likely uh, traveling by foot and by horse and, and maybe by donkey or camel, but they were coming a long journey. And it, so it took them a long time for them to come and find the nativity story. And so this isn't technically a Christmas story, if we're really being honest here, but I think it illuminates and shows us a a proper perspective of the Christmas story that these men who who were sitting here, and we don't really know much about these men. There's, There's books and things that hypothesize their names and who they are and exactly where they came from, and, and, and you can find all these different things, but but in reality, all that is, is conjecture. But what we really do know is this. We can gather from, from the book of Daniel and, and from historians such as Suetonius and all these different things, and I'm not, I'm not going to quiz you on any of this, by the way, that, that these men, in their culture, what they would do is these were, these were men who weren't quite kings, but they would often advise kings and royalty, and, and they would study different, different cultures and the religious uh, texts, and they would look at different documents, and they would study the stars, and they, they were trying to interpret what is exactly happening with the planets and the stars and it all coming together. And isn't that fitting that these men who are curious and longing for something, they're trying to discern something in the world, something out there to give them a clue as to why they're here, that they are the very ones who see a star in the sky announcing and proclaiming the birth of a Savior. continues on in verse three. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him and assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of him where the Christ was to be born. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. This is in the book of Micah chapter five. And it says this, and you, O Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. And now, if you don't know the scoop on Herod, I'm just going to go ahead and say he's not a very good guy. In fact, I would go and say he is an evil man. And he was an evil ruler. Around this time that Jesus is born, he's probably around 70 years old. And, and the Roman Empire had, had come and they kind of placed him to be the ruler. And they dubbed this title, King of the Jews when in fact he wasn't even fully Jewish. He didn't even really abide by Jewish culture. And he was so concerned with his power and his authority and wanting to have control that it says that in history that he actually would kill some of his family members so that they couldn't come and take the throne from him. And so you can imagine this guy with all this to lose. And he has these men coming and saying, hey, where's the new king? <laughs> Excuse me? Come again? That'd be like some guys like coming down like the aisle right here and they're like, hey, we heard there's a new pastor at Keystone North. Where's he at? Can we talk to him? Like, excuse me, I haven't heard a thing. And so Herod, he's, 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 he's trying to be a little crafty and sneaky. And he's, he's asking them, he's saying, hey, won't you, um, won't you just come back so I can worship? Won't you tell me where, where, where he is? And, and he actually gathers these, these scribes and these priests and they're digging through and they discover this, this prophecy from the Old Testament. And can I just tell you, if you don't come to church, if you don't read your Bible that much, I just want to tell you, the Bible is beautiful. And the Bible is so connected from the Old Testament. That's the stuff that's from way, 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 way back into the New Testament where it talks about the life of Jesus. 
And there's actually uh, over 574 Old Testament references to, to foreshadowing Jesus' coming. Jesus, in his birth, in his life, fulfills 300 prophecies that were written hundreds of years in advance. So if you want to come and question the authenticity of Jesus and the Christmas story, I want you to know you will find the authenticity that you're looking for. And so there's such beauty that even here, and you look at the way that God orchestrated this, that he used the Romans going and wanting to collect more taxes in order to get Jesus to be born in the right city. And he's using these magi, who were these men searching from a way different culture, traveling hundreds and hundreds of miles to come and to find Jesus. And in verse 7, it says this, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. This is how we get to the, the synopsis of how old was Jesus when these wise men came? Because what, what, what's happening is then after this, Herod goes and he actually orders for all of the, the, the babies to be bo- who are two years and younger to be killed. And it says that he sent them to Bethlehem saying, go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. Now, do you think he's really gonna go and worship him? No. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were kind of excited. They were modestly happy. They were controlled in their joy. No, it says when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with what? With great joy. You know, sometimes we can read the Bible and and some of these texts that we've heard again and again and we've read over Christmas and all this and, and you kind of lose the emphasis on this. But it says, this is like not just any sort of joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. What would happen if we took that same posture today? That we rejoiced exceedingly with great joy over the fact that our king is here. It says, in going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. Then opening their treasure, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Can I just go ahead? I'm I'm already ruining your Christmas nativity, but many times we might hear this as there's three wise men. There could be anywhere from 12 to 24 to 36 wise men for all we know. And most likely they probably had a whole posse of people that are making this, this trek with them. And I just get this, this image of, of, of Jesus who's now, you know, a year, maybe two years old, and he's sitting in the house, and, and the parents are there, and, and these wise men, they come, and with all their entourage, they come, and they've got these gifts, and they've probably got these lavish, like, crazy hats on, right? You've seen that in movies, kids? they got, like, all these crazy things on, and what happens is this. They're so excited. They barge in the door. They come, and they bow down before a two-year-old, and they start worshiping and proclaiming praise to Jesus and offering their gifts, and if you're a parent, you're sitting here thinking, it must have been God. Because who else is going to come bow before a two-year-old? But I'm just getting this picture that they find the boy. They find the Messiah, the the promised one, the hope of the world. They, They come and they respond appropriately with worship and in awe. 
can I tell you, my hope for you this Christmas is so much more than for you to get the sweater that you asked for from Macy's. It's so much more than, than for you to get that new putter that you've been waiting on all year long. My greatest hope for you this Christmas is to get a picture, an image, and a revelation of Jesus in such a way that all you can do is respond in awe and worship. That you would experience the goodness of who he is in such a way that you would respond the way these magi, these wise men, responded. And some of you are asking this morning or today, you're saying, okay, this is a great story. I've heard this before. I've seen the nativity and I've gone and, and all of this, this is fine, but what does this have to do with us. And in fact, what does this even have to do with the story of Jesus? Because can I tell you something? Jesus would have still been the king of kings had these men never come. Jesus would have still, he still would have gone and grown up and, and proclaimed the gospel. He would have still gone and done miracles and miraculous signs and wonders. He still would have lived a perfect life. He still would have died on the cross. He still would have been resurrected from the dead. He still would have been king of kings. He still would have been who he is had these men never come. But what I love about this story is it shows me the heart of God, that God is drawing people who are far, far away from the culture of the Jewish culture at this time. Those who perceive to be so far away from him. And he says, you know what? I want even them to come because I came even for them because I love them. And what he's saying to you this morning is I even love you and I came for you and I care for you. And so it gives us this revelation for Christmas that it doesn't, it doesn't matter what our opinion of Jesus is. Our opinion of Jesus doesn't change who he is, but it sure changes who we are. That when we look and, and we see him for all that he is, we can see his heart. It calls us to a response. So I have two points for you this morning. I'm just going to say this morning. I'm just going to pretend. <laughs> just old habits, old habits die hard, so... Uh, it is, in my mind, it is 10.45 right now, a.m. But the first point I want you to write down is this. You can't find without seeking. And I actually changed this, uh, this point from what I originally had. Because I, I originally had it, you can't find without looking. But you know what? I don't think that's true. Because I think God can find you whether you're looking or not. But here's the thing. You can't really find without some sort of seeking happening. I, I love that in this, this moment that you have these, these wise men who are studying the stars and they're looking for something out there and when they see it, they don't just pass it off as coincidence. They don't just pass it off as just another cool sign in the stars, but they go searching and longing. This must mean something. And they sought it out. And so the real truth is this, is that God has already sought us out, but we have to be in tune and aware of what he is doing around us. The reality is that many had the opportunity to find Jesus, and they didn't. We're talking about stars. Like, we're talking about signs in the sky, that something was happening, that something was, was around the corner. Even these, these priests and scribes that worked for Herod, they're sitting here and digging in the prophecies, and you know what? They couldn't even work it up in them enough to go leave the palace, to go seek it and find, is this really the Messiah? 
And the hard truth is that many of us live our lives the same way. Can I tell you that Jesus isn't an unknown in most parts of our culture today, but there aren't many who truly seek him. Can I tell you that if you looked hard enough, if you were attentive enough that you would be able to find God working and moving all around you? And I'm not talking about just here on Sundays. I'm not just talking about occasionally. I'm not just talking about in that other person's life. I'm talking about the God of the universe is so personal that he's moving and interacting and working and shaping things out that if you were in tune with it, you would be amazed and in awe of all that he's doing. But we have our eyes veiled. We have to be aware of what God is doing. I, I, I've heard so many stories of across the ocean in, in cultures that are so uh, contrary to the word of God and Christianity and, the, and, and people even following Jesus that, that people who were who were put to death because they would proclaim it, that they believe in Jesus. And, and in this day and age, we still hear stories of, of people waking up and having dreams. That God, God just gave me this dream and I was supposed to come here and talk to somebody and here you are and, and now you're telling me about Jesus. And, and my, my fear is this, is that we have God moving all around us and we have no appetite for it whatsoever. That, that sometimes we, we kind of check out. I, I was making this joke earlier that, that um, you know, when it says in Isaiah that when Jesus comes, that, that he will come and he will be the everlasting father. And can I tell you, I'm a, I'm a father. I have two kids of my own, but I'm not everlasting father. In fact, I'm like on like a shift. Like you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like my shift ends at nine o'clock. You better go to sleep. It's done. But God never stops. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. He never stops caring. He never stops reaching. He never stops seeking out after you. And so I want you this, this Christmas to recognize that the story of Christmas is that God can be found. The second point I want you to write down is this. First is you, you can't find without seeking, but here's the great truth. You can't seek without finding You cannot seek without finding. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and you will find me. Come on, just say, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Can I tell you, sometimes God is easy to miss, but he's not hard to find. Sometimes it's easy to miss the, the hand of God, the work of God, the voice of God, the actions of God all around you. But can I tell you, he is not hard to find. That when you get in a bind, when you get in a situation where you have nowhere else to turn, when you have no other hope, no other sense of peace, when you have no joy, when you have no, uh, no idea of what your purpose is, that why are you put here on this earth? Can I tell you, you can reach out to God and in an instant when you seek him with all your heart, you will find him. It is not a system, it's a relationship. In Matthew 7, Jesus is preaching and he's talking to his followers and he says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock 
and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. And so the real story of Christmas, the real meaning of Christmas, the reason for us to celebrate is not just that we can get our family together. And can I tell you, I have my family that I haven't seen in a couple years here, and it has been meant the world to me to be able to see them. I love it. And I, I love getting to see my kids open up gifts on Christmas morning, and I love putting on the old movies and all these different things. But the reason that we celebrate is not because of those things. It's because Jesus came and he sought us. I think there's some of you in this room this morning that you've never really felt cared for in that way. There's some of you in this, this place that you would actually be saying you're seeking meaning and purpose and, and trying to find contentment and joy. And can, I, can I tell you something that I, I actually feel? I feel like there's some of you that the whole reason that you celebrate Christmas the way you do is because you're still chasing that sentimental feeling when you were six years old, trying to relive that time, that season. But can I tell you something? You don't have to relive a season because you've got the living God here every day, every moment we can celebrate that God is with us. So the question I have for you today, what are you seeking? You're going to find what you seek. So if you're seeking after the joys of this world, can I tell you they're fleeting? And you may find them, but they'll be gone in a flash. Some of you, you're just chasing the next dollar bill in your bank account the next raise, the next pat on the back, the next like and subscribe, the, the, maybe the, the next uh, person to come and give you the compliment. You guys ever have anybody that like, you can just tell all they're doing is looking and searching for a compliment? It's like, yes, Aunt Nancy, he's sitting next to me today at Christmas dinner. But what is it that you are searching for? Some of you, I believe, You've gone to church and you've had a relationship with Jesus for a long time. And you're, you're searching for that feeling of the at first feeling. And just, this is an opportunity, this is a season, this is a day where you can do this. You can return to your first love. You can come back in the simplicity of the gospel and you don't have to work your way and force your way and manipulate your way, but you can come and seek his presence and find him. But I believe there's many, I, I do, I believe there's many here today that you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And maybe even me saying that line, you're starting to check out and you're starting to think about what's happening after this and all the, the, the different things that are going on. But can I tell you this? Let him seek you. Jesus loves you. Can you imagine? Sometimes I have a hard enough time getting off the couch to go help my kids get a drink, but Jesus stepped out of perfection in heaven to come be born in a manger to save us from our brokenness.
So if that's you this morning and you want to take this opportunity to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, if you want something real, if you're looking for something that's meaningful, if, you want, if you're looking for something that's not uh, fleeting and, and, and here today and gone tomorrow, if you're looking for something that can give you purpose and hope and joy and peace, if you're looking for something that's going to help you in, in the, the ups and downs of life, if you're looking for something that is true, you can turn to Jesus today. And the greatest gift that you can receive this Christmas season is by putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The Bible says that that all have sinned. We've all messed up. We have all missed the mark. Not a day has gone by that that, that somebody's just living perfection all the time. No, No, we have all messed up. There's not a person that you can look at and say, hey, they're pretty good. They still miss the mark. They still haven't measured up. It says all have sinned and, and fallen short of the glory of God. But I love this. It says that all are justified freely by the redemption found in Christ Jesus. For God offered Jesus as a sacrifice of atonement for us by the shedding of his blood. And we can receive it by faith. We don't have to work for it. We don't have to plead for it or beg for it. So the hope for you today is this is that you can step out of trying to rule your own life. How's that been working for you? But you can submit your life to Jesus and you can receive his forgiveness, his cleansing power. You can receive the power of his Holy Spirit who will guide you and give you hope even in the midst of hopeless situations. And it's not about a magical prayer that you pray and and reciting just the right words. It's about the posture of your heart. Can I be real with you? There's been a lot of people who have come to our church. You know what? They they walked an aisle at some point in their life and they raised their hand at some point in their life. But, But when it came, push came to shove, they would actually have to come back and say, you know what? I don't know if I've really put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And today I want to give every single person an opportunity to do that. So if that's you with your head bowed and your eyes closed, you can pray this with me. But again, it's not about just the words. It's about the meaning of your heart. And say, dear Jesus, today I thank you for your sacrifice. I confess that I am a sinner, that I have messed up, that I need your saving. Jesus, I thank you that you came on Christmas, that you lived a perfect life, that you died on a cross in my place. And I believe that you rose from the dead. Today, I receive your forgiveness. I turn from my old ways and I confess you as Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me now to walk in alignment with you. I thank you and I rejoice in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe there's some of you in this room, maybe some of you watching online that you prayed that prayer for the first time in a minute with all of your heart. And what I'm gonna ask you to do is on the count of three, I'm actually gonna ask you just to stand to your feet. If you prayed that prayer, 
And some of you are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's a little much. You know, the Bible says that if you can't profess before men, then how, like, how, you, you can't profess your faith before men, then how are you ever going to be able to stand and, and completely put your trust in Jesus? And so I'm just telling you, this is a place that when you stand, everyone here is going to celebrate and rejoice. And we want to come alongside you. We want to partner with you in this. We want to help this not just be a prayer that you, you prayed on a Christmas in 2023, but it's a life change that we can come and support you in. So if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. One, two, three. If you prayed that prayer, go ahead and stand to your feet. Trust me, this isn't, this isn't, I don't get a bonus if you stand, if you don't stand. This is for your good. I see there's some kids down here standing. Some kids down here standing, amen. See you back there. See you back there. Praise God. To the rest of you, I just want to leave you with this. Sometimes the gospel can get so familiar that we lose sight of its power. And it's not just about a one-time decision and one-time prayer that you make. But I want you to know this. You can't find without seeking, but you can't seek without finding. There's more that God wants to do in and through you when you put your trust and faith in him. So this Christmas... Don't seek the thrills of the season. Seek the thrill of a Savior who loves you and gave his life for you and I.